Hey, Cracked fans. If you're a listener of this podcast, I imagine you feel fairly similar to how I do about the latest clothing options made available across the tennis market. Now, while I won't call out any brand in particular, I will say this. Given the exorbitant nature of the latest designs, feels like you better be pretty freaking good at tennis if you want to wear that sort of clothing on the court. Now, thankfully, we here at Crack Rackets are now able to provide a far more suitable, far more comfortable, and I'm going to be honest, far more stylish option for all of our Crack Rackets fans, courtesy of our friends over at Lucky Racket. Lucky Racket uses some of the best fitting and feeling tees in the world. Their shirts are combed, ring-spun, heirloom cotton, and tri-blend Bella and Canvas. I don't even know what that means, but that sounds spectacular. So, how can you get yourself some Lucky Racket gear? It's simple. Just go to their website, luckyracket.com, that's L-U-C-K-Y-R-A-C-K-E-T.com, and use our promo code CRACK15. If you do, you'll get 15% off all of your purchases. That means 15% off the shirts, 15% off all of the incredible swag offered by our friends. Again, that's luckyracket.com. The promo code is CRACK15. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Thursday, October 28th. It was a day in the professional tennis world that had all of us fans asking ourselves, it's okay to get excited, right, about the many breakthrough performers we see here emerging down the home stretch of 2021. Of course, every breakthrough is judged on a different scale. You look at someone like Yannick Sinner, we know the 20-year-old Italian has a bright future ahead of him, but for him to have now won 13 of his past 14 matches, 11 consecutive indoor hardcourt matches, that's a breakthrough we take notice of here at Crack Rackets. That's something all of us fans should look at as we prepare for what certainly feels like it's going to be a big 2022 season for Yannick Sinner. Of course, there's someone like Ann Lee, the 21-year-old American who's been so successful on hard courts this season, 23-9 and overall. She completes another come-from-behind victory, three-set win for her in Italy to advance to a quarterfinal. That's seven consecutive victories for her. That's a clear breakthrough here down the home stretch. Of course, what Annette Conteve has done. Borderline historic, her push here for the year-end finals in Guadalajara. It's another quarterfinal for her, another straight set victory for Conteve. She is now three victories away from usurping Own Jabour for the, in uh, the rankings for that final spot in Guadalajara. But of course, those are just some of your breakthrough performers. Perhaps the biggest breakthrough of 2021 was the victory of Emma Raducanu at the U.S. Open. Raducanu trying to prove to everyone she's got the goods week in, week out now. She earned a decisive straight set victory that I want to talk about today in Romania, as did Simona Halep, who I promise you, 
she's still going to be a factor in 2022. Now, what degree will she play a role on, or, you know, the biggest results, I suppose, we see emerge on the WTA Tour? That is a question for all of us to keep pondering here in the offseason. That's definitely going to be the topic of a December offseason podcast with someone, but I want to talk a little bit about that topic today. I want to talk about the success we've seen from the American men in general. Francis Tiafo, three-set victory for him over Stefano Tsitsipas. He's now won three consecutive matches against top 10 opponents. That feels like a breakthrough for the young American, of course, perhaps not at the same scale, but for Taylor Fritz, straight set victory for the birthday boy over Tommy Paul. I want to talk about that. I want to talk about the American success at the challenger level. Yes, if you followed their careers as closely as I have, you maybe thought Stefan Kozlov would be in the top 100 right now. You maybe thought Michael Moe would be in the top 100 right now. Certainly, J.J. Wolf seemed to be heading there before injuries derailed him at the end uh, of or I suppose in the middle of 2020, but each of those guys has experienced some success this week over at the Las Vegas Challenger, as has a Cracked Rackets favorite, Alexander Kovacevic, the former Illinois All-American. Lots of exciting action happening in Las Vegas and elsewhere on the Challenger Tour. Want to touch on that briefly. Want to talk about the ITF events happening here in the United States this week. All of that covered on today's podcast. But of course, before I get into any of the nitty-gritty details, I do want to remind all of you listeners that today's podcast is made possible because of the support we get from all of you, because of the support we get from our friends over at Tennis Point, and of course, uh, because of the support we get from our Cracked Rackets Patreon family. Switched up the order on you, switched up the order on myself. I didn't see that coming, but of course, we'll start with the Patreon family. We're immensely grateful for the support we get from all of you. If you would like to support our work here at Cracked Rackets, you can do so by going to our website, crackrackets.com. Again, it means the world to us to have a group of people who not only support us financially, but we know support all of the uh, exploits we try to, or all the things we try to explore in the tennis media circle, tennis media world. And so, of course, we want to provide all of you listeners with the coverage we know you deserve. We are able to do that because of the support we get from our Patreon family. If you would like to join, just go to crackrackets.com. Today, of course, a shout out to our friends at Tennis Point. Best in the business, best equipment, lowest prices, tennis-point.com. You use that promo code CR15. Not only will you let them know we sent you there, you'll get 15% off your order free. Two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. That's tennis-point, the symbol, not the spelling, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. With all that said, again, it's another day. We're going to have to start this day's podcast podcast in Vienna. Five of our six round of 16 matches on the day at the week's ATP uh, 500 end up going the distance, end up giving us three set battles to enjoy. Of course, the most monumental upset on the day comes from Francis Tiafo as the now 23 20, yeah, 23-year-old American. That was off the top of my head. I'm not looking. 1998. I know he's January 98. He, Michael Moe, Stefan Kozlov, all 98ers. J.J. Wolf is as well. It's been a good week for the 98s. We'll touch on that a little bit later. But for Francis Tiafo. He replicates what he was able to do at Wimbledon, knocking off top seed Stefano Tsitsipas 3-6-6-3-6-4 to advance to the quarterfinals. You look uh, for Francis Tiafo. 
Again, three consecutive victories for him against top 10 opponents. You contextualize those victories. Obviously, the win he got over Andre Rublev at the U.S. Open, extraordinarily impressive five-set victory. Just made that match so physical, continued to absorb the heavy pace of uh, of Andre Rublev in that match and you know put the pressure on Rublev, work his way towards the net, force Rublev to create in the outer thirds of the court, but most importantly, prevented Rublev from getting into his easy plays. That's exactly what Francis Tiafa was able to do again today against Stefano Tsitsipas. And you look at the numbers for Francis, just exceptional on serve. Makes 62% of those first serves, wins 71% of his first serve points, 71% of his second serve points as well. And just perhaps most impressively, was able to assert his will against Stefano Tsitsipas, was able to work his way forward towards the net in the most critical moments. And it was Tsitsipas, not Tiafo who ended up blinking in the match's biggest stages. You turn to the break Francis Tiafa was able to get of Stefano Tsitsipas up 4-3 in that second set. Tsitsipas double faults on deuce. He double faults on add out. There's the break of serve to Francis Tiafa. Now, to Tiafo's credit, or to Tsitsipas's credit, excuse me, he came out with fire at the start of that third set, and I think it was pissing Tsitsipas off a little bit that the crowd was so engaged, so clearly in a uh, you know a partisan favor backing Francis Tiafo. And how could you not? Tiafo remains the most compelling player on the ATP tour, the most engaging of the crowd, the most just genuinely excited to put on a show for the fans, and the fans are very receptive naturally to that. Uh, excitement of Tiafa because it's genuine. That's what Fran- that's the thing that comes to mind. The adjectives to describe Francis Tiafo's performance, they're so genuine. Francis Tiafo is so clearly himself, down to the shorts that first of all, shout out to any man that can fill out his shorts that well. And we've said it before, you know, for Francis Tiafo, that it's it's just ridiculous. That's the biggest butt in men's tennis. I don't think there's any denying that fact. It's incredible. Just watching him walk around the court. You're just like, how do you move as well as you do with that thing attached to the back of your body? And yet, that's where the athleticism comes from. That's where the power comes from. And of course, to match that sort of power, that physicality with the creativity Tiafo brings to each and every point he plays. And first of all, first and foremost, I thought he was exceptional on the backhand wing today. I thought his ability to absorb the Tsitsipas inside-out forehand, get that ball deep cross-court, force Tsitsipas to play backhand when he was in the backhand corner, not cheat around and play the inside-out because the Tsitsipas, uh, the, excuse me, Tiafo backhand was sitting short in the court. So much credit to Francis Tiafo for just, again, the consistency he showed on that wing. But then again, it's the creativity he plays with, the drop shots, the chip and charges. You know, again, probably the best volleyer in American tennis. I think him and Tommy Paul are 1A, 1B in whatever order you want to choose. For, uh, but he knows where to go, what to do, how to execute, has the huevos to try and pull off the shots as well. And when he sees Tsitsipas going to sl- sneaking and trying to hit a backhand slice, he'll sneak in and try and knock that ball out, out of the air and take it earlier just to put some pressure on Tsitsipas and, again, keep him forced in the outer thirds of the court. And then, again, for someone who had a forehand return and just a forehand in general that was such a liability early in his career, so susceptible to heavy pace. That's just not the case 
for Francis Tiafo anymore on that wing. The racket speed remains exceptional, and yes, he still has to block more forehand returns than you would like for him moving forward, but his ability to generate pace off that forehand wing, his ability to set up, you know, use his backhand wing to set up the explosive inside-end forehand, which he can hit as hard and as accurately as anyone on the ATP Tour, you know, his on-the-run forehand as well, some of the -the on-the-run forehand cross-court short-angle passes he hit, that's Francis Tiafo at his final and that's what helped him get that early break back at the start of the third set. And, you know, I didn't finish that thought, but credit to Tsitsipas, who does earn the early break to start the third. But Tsitsipas gets the, or excuse me, Tiafo gets the break back, 4-2-3. I believe it was 4-2-3. And then, again, Tsitsipas blinked, double fault in a long deuce game, double fault on the break point to gift Francis Tiafo the break of serve and missed a couple of plus one forehands wide on on an earlier game point and just, you know, missed an easy backhand volley, I believe, on the 40-30 point that he makes 98 out of 100 times. This is one of the two he missed in the net. He had the entire court. All he had to do was make it. But, of course, that's the sort of pressure Tiafo's speed and just everything puts on you. And yet, you know, again... Tsitsipas wasn't able to do it. Tiafo continued to keep the pressure on Tsitsipas from start to finish. And now Tiafo has come through qualifying to reach the quarterfinals of this event in Vienna. And you look for Francis, 36-24 and 24 here on the year overall. Of course, that includes runs to the round of 16 uh, in at the U.S. Open. It includes knocking off Tsitsipas, making it to the third round of Wimbledon. It includes runs round of 16 in Miami. And, you know, for him, a really fun round of 16 in Canada before getting knocked out by Monfils as well. He won the challenger title on the grass courts in Nottingham earlier this season. It's been a step forward for Francis Tiafo, undeniably. Just the consistency he showed, match in, match out, week in, week out. And yes, this is only his fifth quarterfinal of the season, but he's done, you know, three on hard courts, two on grass courts. You look for Francis Tiafo from a numbers perspective this season. Plenty of progress has been made. You look for him hold percentage-wise, 82.3%. That's a career high. Now he's not, well, he's currently number 49 on the ATP Tour, but you look right now amongst top 50 players, the average hold percentage uh, here this season currently at 81.3%. Again, Francis Tiafo above that average. He's a top 30, top 25 server on the ATP Tour. You look at it from a break percentage, and again, that forehand return has always been the liability, but for Francis Tiafo, he's above 20% now. At 20.9%, that's a career high for him. It's 1.9% above his career average, career high for him. In first serve points, one career high for him. In second serve points, one career high for him. In total points, one. Is he as highly ranked as he's ever been? No, he's not at number 29 in the rankings because he doesn't have the ATP title under his belt this season. He doesn't have the Grand Slam quarterfinals under his belt this season that propelled him to that top 30 rankings. But the consistency week in, week out for Francis Tiafo has been undeniably better this season. You look for him overall, again, in first matches that he's played here this year, 17-6. and six. Only six first-round losses for him. They were quarantine mute, three sets, first match Australia in the bubble. I think we can write that one off. 467676 to Kevin Anderson in Estoril. That's going to happen sometimes when you play the big guy. Against Stevie Johnson, was up two sets to love before losing in five first round Roland Garros. That's the one that probably stings the most for him. Other than that, 
you know, Eastbourne round of 32 to Liam Brody. You don't love that one either. 6-5 and five to Brooksby at the City Open. Brooksby made the semifinals. No shame in that loss. 7-6, 6-7, seven, 7-6 six, six, seven, seven, six to Andy Murray in Antwerp. No shame in that loss either. Again, 17-6 and six in first matches. That's the consistency we've been craving from Tiafo for years now. He's showing it here this season. Unequivocally, a step forward. And again, first time since 1999, there are nine Americans in the top 60 of the ATP rankings. The, major- the average age of that group is 25 years old, and that number is only as high as it is because John Isner's still included in the group. Can we get excited about American tennis? Can we get excited about Francis Tiafo? I think the answer is an unequivocal yes. And look, He's got Diego Schwartzman next, and you look for Francis in his career. Diego Schwartzman is an opponent he is familiar with. You look overall thus far, I believe they played, yeah, two times thus far in their career. Two victories for Diego Schwartzman, but both of those matches, three sets for Schwartzman in Barcelona this season, three sets for Schwartzman in Cincinnati this season. Feels like Tiafo might be due. And so, again, that's certainly a match to keep your eye on tomorrow. And, of course, how did Diego Schwartzman get to that matchup? was a super impressive victory for him as he earned a three-set victory track meet over Gael Monfils. I'll continue to make these points. A lot of career highs for Diego Schwartzman across the board. 65% win percentage this season. That's a career high amongst uh, for in any of his seasons. Now, he's very close to eclipsing 40 wins on the year. If he does that, a couple of wins in Paris, that will be a career high from him. Just a total wins in any given season. Hold percentage this year, 76.6. Yes, that's below the ATP top 50 average. Still a career high. For Diego Schwartzman, 34% break percentage. That's above his career average. That ranks first on the ATP two, or second, excuse me, behind Rafael Nadal this season. I said this earlier in the week. I think he's a top 10, maybe top five returner of the past 10 years, maybe a top 20 returner all time in men's tennis history. Obviously, he has to be. But Diego Schwartzman's having a career year. And it's kind of snuck by, uh, but again, another quarterfinal for him. He's sneakily still in one of the 11 guys still in the race for the year-end finals, currently 14th in the race. But let's just say he ends up winning this event, puts him in play in Paris. We'll just say, again, it's a big gap. It's really down to four people, Rude, Hercott, Sinner, Nori, and Sinner's got the chance to make this, you know, a big race between, you know, surpass Hubie Hercott's this week, make it a race really between he and Nori, put him, uh, him and Rude, excuse me, put themselves in the pole position. None of that made sense. All of that is to say Yannick Sinner has a chance to put himself in a comfortable position above Hubie Hercott's entering Paris, but nevertheless, Diego Schwartzman has been excellent this season. Again, borderline career year for the now crazy to think but I believe yeah Diego Schwartzman 29 years old turns 30 next year that is a crazy thought nevertheless three set victory for him much needed three set victory for Felix Ogier Aliasim he ends the run of the aforementioned Cam Nori 267664 again you know he's kind of in the mix is Felix for the year-end finals currently at 12 in the live rankings that's one off his career high you look for Felix he trails Hubie Hercots right now uh, by four, uh, by, excuse me, yeah, 515 points, uh, 535 points, excuse me, but can narrow that gap here this week. He ends up winning Paris overall. He'll be trailing Hubie by fewer than 150 points with a Masters 1000 in play. You know, again, we're on an indoor hardcourt for Felix, and I think what was so impressive about him is how just his serve, his forehand, were the biggest weapons on the court. Of course, he was able to fight off, I believe, 
two match points during the course of this match. But again, his serve, his forehand won out over the physicality of Cam Nori in the end, and Felix was able to be persistent enough and consistent enough with his aggressive tennis that he was able to get over the finish line. And, you know, for Nora, who's going to get him stretched into the outer thirds, who's going to absorb, redirect your pace, and just keep you off balance, he wasn't able to disrupt the rhythm of Felix, particularly in sets two and three. Now, it took Felix a second to find his rhythm, but credit for him for the persistence. That's a match he may have lost, you know, as recently as seven months ago. And so, again, that shows the growth of Felix, who I do think has continued to grow here this season. 2 6 7 6 6 4 for Felix over Cam Nori to advance your other three set winners on the day. Alex Virev, who just in the end, you know, blinked at the end of that second set, serving 3 4 against Demon Hour, but was the better player from start to finish and just his serve, his aggressive baseline tennis. Demon Hour didn't have a weapon to hurt him with, and while his speed kept him in the match, the match was on Zverev's racket entirely. Three-set victory in the end for Alex Zverev. Three-set victory for Kasper Rude as well, and it's worth mentioning when you look at what Rude has been able to accomplish here this season overall on the year for Kasper Rude. He entered 16-27 and 27 on hard courts at the ATP level prior to 2021. 16-27 is a 37% win percentage. He was 21-6. and six. Here this season, 21 and six. That includes run to quarterfinals in Cincinnati, quarterfinals in Canada. Good run uh, title, obviously, for him in San Diego. Now a quarterfinal for him here in Vienna as well. He knocks out defending champ Lorenzo Sonego, seven five four six six four. Again, it's just a super well-rounded game. I talked about him a bunch yesterday. He's emerged. He's entered the top 10 club, top 10 in both hold and break percentage. And one of those players you very much say, name the weakness, because he's a guy who can absorb and redirect your pace. He's a guy who can generate angle, speed, depth with his forehand, with his backhand as well. That ball gets more and more aggressive coming off of his backhand wing every time I see him play. And just the angle he's able to create, comfortable playing slice, comfortable in the outer thirds of the court comfortable at the net as well really really high floor for Kasparud and again he needed every ounce of his physicality Sinego put him under pressure the serve the forehand there's a reason Lorenzo Sinego has emerged as a top 40 guy but in the end Rude too dynamic three set victory for him to advance your last winner on the day Yannick Sinner, who just, again, what the Sin Man's been able to do. It's it's a joke, what Yannick Sinner's been able to accomplish here. Uh, you look for him now, again, I believe that's six consecutive wins for him uh, in general. He's won 12 of his last 13, excuse me, 10 consecutive indoor hardcourt wins. Oh, no, 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 it is. Seven consecutive wins for him, 11 consecutive indoor hardcourt wins, now 22 consecutive indoor hardcourt sets won. Sinner's now one match away from, again, surpassing Hubie Hercots in the race to the year-end finals, and he's obviously already clinched his spot in an event he's already won, the next-gen finals, and I talked about all of the accomplishments for Yannick Sinner on yesterday's podcast, but it's just worth mentioning again for all of you listeners, you look at what Yannick Sinner's been able to accomplish here this season, 44-18, it's a 71% win percentage, you look for him overall now on the year, eight different, uh, excuse me, nine different quarterfinals. That's a top five number on the ATP tour. Six different semifinals for him this season. Four titles in five finals. Elite, elite, elite. He's breaking serve 26.5% of the time. He's now holding serve 81.1% of the time. But of course, a statistic that is just absolutely bonkers. He is now 
held serve 41 consecutive times against Antwerp. Uh, in Antwerp, Harris, Rinderneck, Schwartzman, Opelka, Novak now. He's held serve 41 consecutive times uh, at some point entering this week. Again, it's just, it's absolutely silly. Absolutely silly uh, what he's been able to accomplish here this season. Oh, excuse me. No, it is 10 consecutive ones. I was wrong about the numbers. 10 consecutive ones. All that is to say, Yannick Sinner's been nuts. Just absolutely nuts. You know it when you see it. Yannick Sinner is making the jump. He belongs in contention for the year-end finals. He has been that good this season. Uh, but, of course, again, for Sinner, three-set victory for him. Uh, he uh, Three-set, excuse me, straight-set victory. He rounds out the quarterfinal field. And you look at the quarterfinal field we have emerging uh, over in Vienna going to be, again, epitomizes the generational shift we see. Diego Schwartzman, you know, in that lost-gen placeholder spot, but everyone else, next-gen talents. Tiafo versus Schwartzman, Rude versus Sinner, Alcaraz versus Berrettini, Felix versus Virev. I mean, come on, folks. That's an event built for us here at Crack Rackets. That's everything we love uh, to watch, of course, and, you know, again, this is what it's all about. It's going to be super, super exciting down the home stretch. Right now, Zverev, 41.1% favored. Sinner, 18.1%. Schwartzman, 10.4%. After that, everything's fairly even. Closest match on the day, according to the odds. Berrettini, 56.7% favored. To Carlos Alcaraz is 43.3%. And again, players still alive for the neck, uh, for the year on finals. They need everything to break right. But Alcaraz is still alive. RBA is still alive, Schwartzman still alive, Basilishvili, PCB, Karatsev, FAA, Sinner, Nori, Hurkats, Rude. Those are your 11 players left in the race to Turin. But that was the action in Vienna. And again, exciting stuff for us tennis fans to enjoy. But with that said, let's switch gears now, talk about the action happening on the women's side. Let's start out with the event over in Romania. And I want to talk about top seed Simona Halep, who earns 6-4-6-2 victory on Thursday over Gracheva. It's worth mentioning, despite the fact Simona Halep has played fewer matches than her contemporaries, only 27 on the season. You look amongst top 50 players, that 27 number ranks outside the top 40 in terms of total matches played, and yet still ranks tied for fourth. In break percentage, she's breaking serve 43.9% of the time. We saw that trend continue on Thursday over in Romania. You look for help. She created 12 break point chances throughout the course of the match, manages to break serve four times. You look, again, 6-4, six, 6-2, six, that's 18 games. Each player serving nine times. She breaks four out of her opponent's nine service games, only faces two break points in the match, is able to fight off one of the two as well. Doesn't get broken in set number two. The serve continues to improve throughout the course of matches for Simona Halep, but the return skills have returned, no pun intended. Uh, And most importantly, the physicality comes back with each and every match she plays. And what has always been so immensely impressive about Simona Halep's game is her ability to generate pace and depth when she's in the corners of the court and her ability to redirect the ball down the line. It's special. When we tell the story on Simona Halep, whenever her career is done, and hopefully we have at least a half decade more to enjoy her game, it will be, you know, again, one of the great counterpunchers, certainly of the era, if not... I don't know, in WTA Tour history, but certainly she's up there. And again, the most consistent player of the, you know, 2013 onward of the past decade in women's tennis. 
And it's just based on the floor she brings. Match in, match out, point in, point out. A, you know, again, it's her ability to absorb, redirect uh, pace. You think she got her on the stretch in the corner. That ball is going to land at the baseline on your feet. There's not much you can do with it to be aggressive. And then, of course, if you leave a ball in the center third of the court, she's going to pound a corner, whether it be inside out, whether it be cross court. Just she keeps you moving side to side to side. And if you're on the deuce side, she's going to the ad. And if you're on the ad side, she's going to the deuce and just... She never allowed Gracheva to be comfortable. And I have to say, I was very impressed with the game of Gracheva, who does really well to absorb, redirect pace herself. And, you know, again, not the best mover, but a solid mover and can do more than you'd expect out of corners. If you leave a ball short, she is going to punish it. A little bit of a bigger backswing, but still a lot to be enjoyed about the pace she can generate. And yet, you know, again, just Halep kept her so uncomfortable. Halep kept coming throughout the course of this match. And you look for Simona, perhaps the thing to key in most on. She made 64% of her first serves. She won 81% of those first serve points. When Halep's doing that, she's not losing matches because she continues to put so much pressure on you. And you look for Simona Halep, what she's been able to accomplish here this season. Again, only 27 matches played here, uh, I believe, in 2021. Maybe fewer than that. I may have forgotten to switch uh, tennis abstract. No, 29 matches now played. Excuse me. She's 20-9 and nine now overall on the season. Again, the losses, let's con- contextualize. Alexandrova, 2-1, and one, warm up for the Australian Open. That's fine. She then lost to Serena. The Sevastova loss you don't love, but lost to Sabalenka, Mertens, Kerber, Collins, Pagula, Svitolina, Sasnovich at Indian Wells was weird, and Sakari in Moscow. Again, Sasnovich and and Sevastova, which was a withdraw. So it's just Sasnovich. That's the only one, right? That's the only that's the only confounding loss, we'll say, of Simona Halep's season. Now the twenty and nine hasn't been exceptional, but it's been fine. And just we know what Simona Halep's capable of when she's fully healthy and has her rhythm back. And obviously her being ranked 18th right now is a byproduct of the fact she just hasn't played that frequent of a schedule. Nevertheless, I still think she's got top 10 game in her. I want no part of Simona Halep when she's playing her best tennis and she's getting closer and closer to playing that best tennis. 4-2 and two victory for her on the day. Over Garacheva, another straight set winner on the day. Third seed Emma Raducanu, 6-3-6-4. She advances over Anna Bogdan. This was a much better performance from Raducanu from start to finish than in her first round match. And Bogdan did a good job, you know, changing direction, throwing and incorporating the drop shot, trying to get Raducanu stretched to the corners because, again, Raducanu is a good, not great mover at this point of her career. But just didn't have the weapons to disrupt the flow of Emma Raducanu. When Emma Raducanu steps into that forehand, it's beautiful. It really, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous, again, the contact point so pure. She can go down the line. She can go cross court, just overwhelming with her pace, her depth, her drive on that ball. I thought the backhand looked better today than it did yesterday. I still do have some concerns about the depth on her backhand wing, particularly when she tries to hit that ball cross court. Nevertheless, for Radakanu, comfortable in a 6-3-6-4 victory, of course. Plenty of top seeds advancing on the day as Radakanu now going to take on six seed Marta Kostyuk, the always dangerous young Ukrainian 6-4-6-4 victory over Bartel that match. I mean, I said this on Twitter. 
Marta Kostyuk has a lot of main character energy. And the 19-year-old Ukrainian up to number 53 in the world, of course she understands Radakanu's star now. By the way, listen to this grouping. Ann Lee, 21 years old, 46. Clara Tossin, 18 years old, 47. Maria Camilla Osorio Serrano, 19 years old, 52. Kostyuk, 19 years old, 53. The youngsters are coming, folks. That's a very fun quartet of names. And again, when you look for Marta Kostyuk, it's a new career high for her. She's been sneaky effective here this season. It's run hot and cold, but when Kostyuk's looked good, she's looked very, very good. Uh, this quarterfinal, you look for her now here in 2021, 24 and 16 overall on the season. You look for her now, fourth quarterfinal for her on the year, third in hard on hard courts. Obviously, there's been some ups and downs uh, for her here this season, but round of 16 in Roland Garros, we know the sort of level she's capable of. Again, when she's on her front foot swing, freely she's going to take it to Radakanu, and again she believes she's the next thing not just Radakanu. so that match promises to be spicy of course Annette Conteve continued to rock and roll 6-3-6-4 over Ali Van Utvenuk I continue to think the most impressive part in the thing propelling Conteve to this success down the home stretch of 2021 She's just clearly found a new peak physically just her fitness her movement in and out of corners her fluidity that just wasn't the Annette Conteve. It wasn't that comfortable last season because Annette Conteve has always had the skills. She's always had the rock-solid forehand, rock-solid backhand, good, not great serve. But now everything's a little bit more powerful because she has that much more time to set her feet to hit the ball and that much more confidence as well when swinging through that ball. 3-4 over Van Ufenik. Again, she's three wins away from passing. Shabor needs to win the title this week. But it's very much in play, although, again, given Radakanu, Kostyuk, Halep, they're all going to have to sort of go through each other. I suppose that's the positive for Annette Conteve, but she's got a tricky one tomorrow against Angelina Kalanina. I said this yesterday. I'll say it today. I think that's the one. She wins that one. I think she's winning the tournament. I think, though, that could be the match. That trips her up. Of course, your last result, Rebecca Peterson, six loves, Peterson, six love, six three win over Barra. You look at the tennis abstract odds, closest match on the day, Serenko. 52% favorite to Rebecca Peterson's 48%. You know, Conteve is a heavy favorite according to the math. Radakanu, 76% favorite according to the math. Halp, a fun one, 85% over fellow Romanian Jacqueline Christen. Right now, it goes Conteve, 49.7% chance to win. Of course, that doesn't factor in fatigue. Halep, 23.8%. Radakanu, 18.7%. Then a big drop-off, nevertheless, should continue to provide exciting uh, should we we should continue to be treated to exciting action over in Romania let's move next to Cormayor in Italy the site of our other WTA tour level event will start off with uh of course another performance from Ann Lee now 23 and 9 in hard court matches here this season 576361 she advances over Magdalena Frich and just Again, it's it's the easy pop for Ann Lee off of both wings. That she's 12th already in return percentage. Yeah, her size will never overwhelm her opponent. She's never going to have the 120-mile-per-hour serve that a Sabalenka or an Osaka or a Serena has. But that serve is explosive enough and will continue to get better with better depth, with better precision. Every sort of, you know, again, the serve is the side you want to improve on because the serve is the side uh, or the service side you want to have to improve on because the serve is the most controllable thing in the game of tennis. And of course, you want to control uh, the controllables whenever possible. And, and it's just, it's the thing you can always improve because it's the thing you can go out and hit 10,000 serves. Uh, meanwhile, you just can't fake 
the feel on the return of serve, and Ann Lee clearly has that. She's got the firepower to generate off of both sides. And again, now when you've got the confidence, seven matches in a row, she's won the tenacity. You're willing to overcome a set, or you're able to overcome a set deficit and just, you know, again, stay confident thrown. So in the end, three set win for Ann Lee over Magdalena Frich. Another good result for Shin Yu Wang, uh, Wang Shin Yu, excuse me, who, again, don't sleep on the success of the 20 year old out of China. She earns a 7 6 6 5, uh, 6 4 victory, excuse me, over Shui Zhang. Just. You got the righty, just sneaky good power. When she's able to set her feet, when she she's able to turn cleanly into the ball, she plays on her turn. And so I'm fascinated to see her take on Donna Vekic, who quietly, and it includes qualifying, and it's not beat your chest sorts of win, but Donna Vekic now going to pr- you know comfortably probably stay in the top 100, which is not the standard for her, but of course beats the alternative. She's won six of her last seven matches, and that's just a round of 16 in Tenerife qualifying to that event, and then you know quarterfinals here, but... Six of seven is something to build on heading into Australia, and she gets a three and four win over the always tricky Sai Sai Zhang. Uh, again, tricky 20-year-old. That's going to be a lot of power tennis. going to be quick rallies. You know, the zero to five shot rallies will be put at a premium, but that's a good win for Donna Vekic, who's gaining confidence here down the home stretch of 2021. Of course, you look elsewhere, should be a fun Friday of action. Anne Lee taking on Clara Tossin. Ludmilla Samsonova taking on Alec Kalinskaya. Shinyu Wong taking on Donna Vekic. Paulini taking on Yastremska. Sign me up for another Friday. Should be an easy mini break to record. Uh, and again, gets us in the mood. Some spooky, spooky matches for a Halloween weekend. Of course, those are your two women's tour level events. Let's move now to the action happening over on the men's side in St. Petersburg. You look uh, again across the board, the results we saw. Big win for American Taylor Fritz on his birthday. 7-6, win for him over fellow young American, one of the groomsmen, I believe, at his wedding in Tommy Paul. Worth mentioning, just, you know, again, the follow-up follow from earlier, Americans with their biggest career wins since the start of August. Tiafo's now beaten Tsitsipas twice, but Tsitsipas now number three in the world. He beats him today. Fritz beat Zverev at Indian Wells. Tommy Paul beat Rublev at Indian Wells. Opelka beat Tsitsipas over in Canada. The young Americans are coming. And again, for Taylor on these slow, hard courts, when he has that much more time to just get into his plays and, you know, hit that ball cleanly from the baseline, the ground strokes are as pure as anyone as you are going to see. And just, again, the power he's able to generate off of both wings, the naturalness and the ease with which he's able to generate opportunities off of his serve, the kick he's able to produce. Obviously, the results of late have improved these numbers, but he's now 28-19 here this season, hold and serve 82% of the time, break percentage as close as it has ever been to 20%. He's currently at 19.7%. Again, you know, can have a dominant first serve. I think that hold percentage being as loaded as is a byproduct of just, again, his movement ability, his ability to set up those plus one balls, but that skill gets better and better, as does the rest of Taylor Fritz's game. Straight set victory for him over Tommy Paul to advance and, you know, again, keeps uh, uh, just you know, and keeps his successful uh, form here in 2021 alive. Certainly, you'd think indoor hard courts, that's always going to be a surface Fritz thrives on. 
You look at some of the other winners on the day. Roberto Bautista Goop keeps himself alive. Very, very, you know, again, I suppose outside shot, but he is still alive for a, uh, for a spot at the year on finals in Turin. He knocks off Mackie McDonald 3-2. and two. It's just really hard for Mackie to hurt uh, RBA and the physicality he was able to display, particularly given the amount of tennis played over the past 16 months. Very impressive victory for the Spaniard, who's, again, tail end of the prime, but can still flash that physicality that has defined his career. Of course, speaking of physicality, you know, John Millman made Aslan Karatsev feel last week's title that Karatsev won in Moscow in each and every rally of today's match. Millman just too strong in the end. 6-3-6-2. Wears Karatsev down. Marin Cilic continues his good form. Was taking that ball early on the rise. Swinging freely. It was working. Last week's finalist in Moscow. Earns a 6-4-6-7. 6 win. Excuse me. Over Karen Hatchinov. And then Botek Vandesen sculpt. Continues his successful 2021. Solidifying his spot. In the ATP Top 75, he earns a 2-5 and five victory over Sebastian Korda to advance to the quarterfinals. And for Botik van de it's worth noting, second quarterfinal of his career at the ATP level. The first was the U.S. Open. The second is here this week uh, in St. Petersburg. And yet, all of a sudden, finds himself again inside the top 75. Credit to you, Botik van de Sculp. Of course, you look at where the action stands uh, heading into uh, the championship weekend over in St. Petersburg, according to the forecast. Rublev, heavy favorite, 37.1%. Then Fritz, 13.5%. Chapo, 12.9%. RBA, 11.5. Interesting to note that Fritz has the highest number of that group. Uh, nevertheless, again, should be super, super exciting Friday of tennis across the professional world, of course. That also sets up what you're going to see at the tour. You know, that's not just including the tour level action, I should say. That includes the action happening in the challenger world as well. I want to run you through the results we've seen thus far. Stefan Kozlov fights off eight different match points. Let me say that again. Eight match points turn to 6-2-5-7-7-6-15-13 in that third set breaker victory over 21-year-old Brit Aiden McHugh. Kaz has won seven straight challenger matches, and he's not, you know, closing in on the top 100. He's not, you know, solidifying his spot chasing the year-end finals, but you look for Stefan Kozlov now. He's back into the top 250, number 237 in the live rankings. That means he's going to get in to Australian Open qualifying at the start of next season. And, of course, getting into qualies is the name of the game. If you want to get into the top 100, you got to qualify for Grand Slams. you got to win Grand Slam matches because those are your best chance to win the biggest amounts of points. Kozlov has now put himself in a position to do that down the home stretch. And what was so impressive... I believe he had four different aces to fight off, or three different aces to fight off match points. If you've watched Stefan Kozlov over the years, aces is not the name of his game. You know, for him, it's finesse. It's the touch. It's the craft. This, you know, he had a beautiful drop volley on a match point and just puts a million returns in play because those hands are so steady. The backswing on the backhand so condensed. And yet it was the pop on the serve and how easy it was for him to generate that pop, which was not the case earlier in his career. That was what was particularly noticeable about his performance. And again, you look now across the board, he gets someone who also played a 7-6 in the third match, former USC standout Emilio Gomez, going to take on Kozlov next. You've also got Kovacevic, 
very impressive 7-6-6-3 win over number four seed Daniel Altmeyer taking on Taro Daniel in the top half quarterfinals. You've got the always dangerous Michael Moe, former Kalamazoo champion, former top 100 player. When healthy, he continues to look like a top 100 guy. Should be a physical battle for him against former Ohio State All-American Mikhail Torbegard, who proves he can make challenger quarterfinals outside of Ohio. Of course, speaking of Ohio, J.J. Wolf into the quarterfinals. He's going to take on Ernesto Escobedo. That's exciting power tennis across the board. Vegas in the afternoon, great way to pregame before whatever it is you do on a Friday night. Of course, that's not your only challenger. You see the continued run of guys like Juan Pablo Varias, who moves to 46-17. and 17. That's a 73% win percentage overall this year in clay court matches. He's made the Santiago ATP quarterfinals. He's won two challenger titles on clay, made four challenger finals, six challenger semifinals, 10 quarterfinals on clay courts this season. Now, is he 0-3 everywhere else? Yes, but 46-17 and 17 between him, you know, the run of Sebastian Baez, who's won, I believe, five challenger titles on clay this season, Juan Manuel Serendolo, who's made himself a, a quarterfinal here this week, Francisco Serendolo, Thomas Echeverry, and just all of these various guys. The next generation of clay court ballers are here, folks, and they're having that success. Thomas Barrios Vera, week in, week out, on the challenger circuit. It's really competitive times, especially as they try and you know figure out the hierarchy amongst those guys, but really, really exciting for us fans of the Challenger world. And of course, again, that's one, uh, two of four. You've also got Brandon Nakashima into the quarterfinals tomorrow in uh, Paris, uh, in France. Excuse me. He's taking on Henry Laxon and Gasquet, still alive there as well. Former top, current top junior, I suppose, Luca Van Asher, uh, also still alive. The young Frenchman uh, into the quarterfinals going to take on Alexandra Mueller. Of course, over in Wolf, uh, in Germany, you've got on the carpet, Jonas Foryacek. He's still alive. Talented young Czech. You've got Kasper Zuk, still alive. Oscar Ota, Maxime Cressy. All guys we told you earlier in the week might have success. They have gone ahead and had success this week in, in as a matter of fact. And so, again, that is where things stand uh, on your challenger events heading into the weekend. Of course, you look at the ITF results just to keep an eye on some of the college guys, some of the you know young pros trying to make their way on the ITF tour. We'll start for the women. Was an impressive win for Claire Lou, 6-4-1-6-6-1 over fellow talented young American Katie Volleynets. You look for Lou now. Uh, she's solidified her spot, I believe. Claire Liu, currently 93, yeah, in the top 100. Helps her to make these Tyler quarterfinals, given her result there last year. But again, she's solidified that spot in the top 100, has put herself in a position to have a big 2022 season, of course. Beatrice Hadadmaya continues to roll. Another victory for the former top 75 player in the world. She now, I believe, let's see, for Hadadmaya. Yeah, back into the top 100, up to number 90 in the WTA rankings. Worth remembering, despite the suspension, she's still just 25 years old, so plenty to enjoy about the lefties game, of course. Big win from talented youngster Katie McNally. She's earned victories over Katherine Harrison, Ashlyn Kruger. To advance to the quarterfinals, you also got a win from last week's champ, Madison Brangle. She she continues her good form. Big win for Masaki Doi as well. Harriet Dart has advanced. So you've got the two, uh, the one, the two, the three, uh, the four, I believe the five. The, I think, oh uh, yeah, the five, the six, 
the seven. The only seed that's yet to advance is this. Oh, excuse me. The only seed not alive is the six, who I don't think has played yet. Uh, or no, 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 excuse me. She's already been eliminated in that matchup. It's Whitney Osigwe versus uh, Marcella Zacharias. So yeah, seven of the top eight seeds advancing, advancing at the 80K in Tyler. You love to see that. You love to see a big win from Texas standout Lulu Sun, who's weighing, you know, do I go pro? Do I return to school? Seems like she's going to be turning pro. She's not on the roster. And if that's the decision she's making, that's cool. Good for her then to make the quarterfinals of the 25K, knocking out talented young American Katrina Scott in three sets. Good win for her former teammate, doubles partner Kylie Collins. Gets a three-set win over UCLA's Alicia Bolton. That is a fascinating result for us college tennis fans, of course. You look elsewhere, Sasha, uh, excuse me, Sasha Victory knocked out by Fernanda Contreras. Ivana Popovich knocks out Daniel Lau. Chanel Van Nguyen knocks out Texan uh, Charlotte Shavatapan as well. Still very, very exciting for a second 25K this week happening in Austin. And of course, again, why is Texas emerging as a top women's program? It's because they're able to host 25K for their plethora of players with pro aspirations. Of course, those are your women's events on the men's side. We've reached, you know, quarterfinal round, I believe, over in Tallahassee. You had a big win for Ben Shelton, continues his incredible 2021 three-set victory for him over teammate Duarte Valley. So, of course, for all of us, Riffis, Shelton, Valley, what should the order be? This is a data point, I suppose, in that competition. Speaking of Florida Gators, big win for Johannes Inglitsen. Knocks off Alexander Rako of Arkansas in three sets in the first round for Inglitsen was a super, super impressive victory as well as he knocked off Cannon Kingsley in three sets. He couldn't make, you know, he wasn't playing in the Florida singles lineup at the end of last season. That just shows you how freaking loaded they were. Nevertheless, he advances. He has joined Vassal Kirkoff, former Kalamazoo finalist guy who elected not to attend pro, uh, college tennis. Good result for him into the quarterfinals. Really excited for that Kirkoff-Shelton matchup. Of course, Henry Patton continues his success of late. Big run for Ryan Shane into the quarterfinals as well. That's your 15K in Tallahassee in terms of the action. 25K uh, over in Calabasas. Still waiting on the rinky Daniel DeJong result, but that should be a fun one. I believe Nate Ponwith knocked off Connor Farron today to advance to the quarterfinals. I think Kyle Kang knocked off Gage Brimer as well. Not sure about that, but Kodot, Nanda, Corwin Boyer, Svida versus Angel. These are all fun matches on uh, the horizon in Calabasas. So top to bottom, an exciting, 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 you knew I was going to use that word, week of action across the professional tennis world. And of course, if you've missed out on any of the action, you can catch up on it all on our website, crackrackets.com. If you need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we are at crackrackets. You want to message me directly, I am at Great Shot Pod. A shout out, as always, to our super producers, Max Ligner and Daniel Westoff, for the f- of an editing job they do day in, day out. Shout out as well to our friends over at Tennis Point. Remember, it's tennis point.com. The promo code is CR15. With all that set for super producers, fleet and West off our friends at Tennis Point from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break, and we'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.